Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Changing contours and angles or heights even, inclines, declines, is probably pretty crucial to really giving a person a much better overall strength factor and how to handle squatting that position. Yeah, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give them more real world situations right mm-hmm. like like you said talk about camping hiking mm-hmm. things like that where their ankles are going to be at where their knees going to be at you know how their body's going to shift over how do we how do we balance all these as we're going through the squatting motion yeah because i mean if you're carrying you're backpacking and we know when we hike watch record yourself hiking on surfaces and you'll see all the variability in the feet and the ankles as you're walking up and down declines and you'll get supination pronation you get everything that you need so it's going to have that carryover to especially when you're on a flat surface a flat surface is going to be really easy for you mm-hmm. yeah. especially if you can challenge yourself with something that's a lot harder so to speak mm-hmm. elevation wise in our slides for our level one we show that one guy moving furniture and his one foot is higher above the other you know, thinking about, okay, would we have someone front squat with off elevation? Yeah, yeah why, not? why not? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's something that's, that may or may not be usable for them, mm-hmm. just even around the house. You know, you got people, you're going up and down the stairs, you see something on the stair, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You just start, you bend over, pick it up, right? Yeah. Or you squat down and you pick it up. So if you're on the stairs and you're squatting down, guess what? Your feet are going to be separated as far as elevation is concerned yeah and then the cool thing is too is like if you were to give somebody like an offset kind of thing like let's say you elevate one foot higher than the other they learn how to shift their weight so you're also teaching them balance and adaptations as you're going through the squat yeah shifting in and out of the squat and learning how to shift weight is a really important very subtle thing Mm -hmm but really important sometimes it's kind of funny i'll i'll say to a client shift your weight i find it interesting how some people don't understand the concept of shifting weight yeah i I, have you come across that because i've seen it a hand more than a handful of times where i'm like shift your weight to one side to this side yeah and the person looks at me like i don't know what you're talking about yeah i've seen that before it's just an awareness thing like Mm -hmm. most people aren't typically aware of where their body is in space Mm -hmm. so if you do tell them to shift they're like it's like you said, it's like, uh, what? What do you mean? So, like, that's where that light bit of coaching is like, this shift towards your stronger side, or shift towards this side, or shift post, like, whatever yeah. cue you give. So they're like, oh, okay, I kind of got it now. Right. So, at least that way, when they go back to do it again, they're not having a hard time. They can just, they're on it. What's more important to, let's say, an overall general population client? Volume, how much they're doing in the squat? or range of motion in the squat? Which one's more important? That's a hard question. Well, I think a range of motion is gonna be more important if they don't have that range of motion for daily activities. Okay, Yeah. right? right? Mm-hmm. Good. They don't yeah. have enough strength through a basic range of motion to get in their car, get off the toilet, you know, go down the, whatever it is, go upstairs, go downstairs. If they don't just have these basic things, then yeah, we're gonna have to start working your strength in a greater range. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone possesses all that, then it's like, do we need to? Mm-hmm. Because here's the situation. So I have, I have a client, he bikes, mm-hmm. okay. runs hills, okay. backpacks, okay, super strong legs. Mm-hmm. I don't have him squat really. He can squat, he can squat, he has good mobility. Mm-hmm. 
And when, when we have squatted, he's strong. Like, you don't need this shit, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do we even need to squat to build really, really strong legs? So the amount of volume that you say that he needs is it's on really the low. low. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a check. Like, hey, do you have mobility to go through this range of motion with some load? You good? Okay. We're good. This is, this is more part of his, his movement prep mm-hmm. as opposed to a staple in his program. That's a great point. That's a really good point. It is a very good point. Because that's the thing, he's doing things that give him that stuff just in everyday activity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the masses are not getting that. So mm-hmm. it is important to make sure first, they have range of motion, and then making sure, because just like Neil said, getting up off the toilet or getting in and out of your car is squatting. And it's a, I think it's a task we all take for granted yeah. until you have an issue then you're like, oh, damn, this is way harder or way bigger of an issue than I expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I had a client come in here a couple of years ago, and he was referred to me because he had trouble getting in and out of his car. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at his car. He's got a Porsche a Roadster. And I'm thinking, first of all, I'm like, well, just buy yourself an SUV. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, 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 picked, you picked a car with a really low seat. And this dude was tall. He, get a, do a you know, he was tall. <laughs> So he's tall, and he's he was 70-plus years of age. Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, you could do this, just generally speaking. But he was much more focused on, I need to lift objects and squat. And I'm like, pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. You don't even have the range of motion that you're asking for. Yeah. So let's establish that first before we start loading that and building strength. Because you are building strength as we work that range of motion. Yes. And that's a key element there. But people yeah. think because it's not externally loaded, like I'm not giving them 100 pounds or 50 pounds, that they're not strength training in a way. Which is a huge... We, we kind of talked about this before. There was a point where my squats got stronger. Mm-hmm. And I attributed that specifically only to actually getting more mobile. There's a line, right, where mm-hmm. there's too much mobility or there's not enough. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're on the less mobile side, you get more mobile, you will absolutely get stronger. Like, that's just my belief. Mm-hmm. Because you, when you get more mobile, you're actually increasing strength to handle that particular range of motion. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anything specific that I did in my own training at that particular time that actually got me stronger. It was the fact that I would put a lot of effort and emphasis on mobility. So having that mobility and that access or that range of motion, that in itself will carry over into the strength aspect. So maybe the volume of working on the range should be high, but maybe not the volume of them loading should be high. Yeah. That should be relatively low. Or just practicing that movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you were working these ranges, you weren't specifically doing a squat. No. Right? It was like, hey, I'm going to train my hips, mm-hmm. get my hips stronger. So maybe your hips necessarily, think they got stronger in, in different areas, or they became more aware. Yes. I trained everything but a squat for that particular motion. Mm. And that's what had the carryover. So like training different ranges oftentimes can translate into the mm-hmm. main movement. If you're doing a deadlift, training an RDL can have a huge impact on your regular deadlift. Mm-hmm. It's the oh, yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Yeah. You're, you're not training that specific movement or even kettlebell swings can have a little bit of mm-hmm. a carryover into your deadlifts while you're, you're training those same tissues just in a completely different range or way. So instead of just going, let me give you 100 pounds to load up with, look at other 
opportunities to expand on what they don't have. It's like the farm boy strength in a gym setting, mm -hmm. essentially, that, yeah. that variety of, of something similar, but you're doing it at, at different loads, different speeds, mm -hmm. different angles. Well, speaking of speed, when you're training squats, should there be a change in speeds? Or cause I think most people, when you watch them, they're just very comfortable with one speed. Mm -hmm. They probably pretty much use the same speed all the time. Yes. Unless it's a unless they're going more maximal, then of course it slows down. Mm -hmm. But I think across the board for the average person, they're pretty much using the same cadence mm -hmm. uh, in the rep speed. Should they be mixing that up? Big time, big time. This even uh, time under tension training is super beneficial. So if you have somebody, let's say you take 70 percent of their one rep max, mm -hmm. and they're just like, all right, I can get pump out ten reps mm -hmm. for four sets. Cool. But like, all right. Well, let's actually slow down your eccentric to three seconds, pause at the bottom for one second, and then a, like a one second concentric. All of a sudden that 10 becomes five. So now it's like, all right, well, you're, you're strong, but we can get you even better and more efficient at it mm -hmm. by changing those particular tempos or variables mm -hmm. to make it so now when, you go, when they go into a heavier weight, maybe they're moving the bar faster, although it's closer to their max. So that's where I would change the speed. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the same sense, if you wanted to get more explosive, mm -hmm. you'd be moving that bar as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. And that's, a, I think, a big knock on a lot of the traditional sense of back squatting with athletes is you're having these athletes doing 80% max effort on a regular basis, and then you're thinking, okay, well, but where does that carry over to making them faster, mm -hmm. right? Is there a carryover to making them faster? I want that explosiveness out of the athlete, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know that this person has punch off the line, that when this person can drive their feet into the ground, interact, understand ground force, and pack a wallop. Mm. And that's what I'm looking for out of an athlete, Yeah. right? Yeah. Not, okay, what's your one rep max as far as, okay, blah, 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 in a straight vertical linear movement when we know that being athletic is typically forward, forward backwards sideways like you're going anywhere but directly up most yeah. of the time right mm -hmm. so once again are they succeeding despite us right 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 <laughs> despite the things that we've been doing for the last few decades mm -hmm. as far as how we train them across yeah. the board one of the things that i love in choosing programming for squatting is really taking into consideration limb lengths neil and i have talked about this mm -hmm. before but we think that a lot of assessment programs or assessment protocols aren't really taking that into consideration and how a, a trainer should be able to assess their client and then say, okay, I think based off your dimensions, this type of squad is going to be most beneficial for you mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, like you're built to squat. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I think that's – if there's any movement that I do – the best by far it is that mm -hmm. right uh but once again just because i'm really good at squatting i'm slow as shit right mm -hmm. i mean when you look at me in a straight hundred meter uh, dude i got tiny little like i don't generate mm -hmm. right so i mean my speed overall yeah okay it, it's right there with you know with a i don't know an elephant or a tortoise <laughs> something even elephants outrun me i don't know elephants are pretty quick <laughs> yeah for a short distance you're right you're right but yeah, so taking that into consideration is is a really crucial thing. Even on 
where to place the bar on somebody, whether it's, you know, if you're going to backload somebody, mm -hmm. is their arm length going to play a big difference in where you place the bar too? Yeah, it can. Especially if they don't, they're not able to create enough tension to get into that position. Like in partly mobility too. But like, I, so I had this client, super long femur, really short torso. Mm -hmm. And he will squat more than enough ankle range, mm -hmm. more than enough hip range. But even with his squat mechanics, I'm like, okay, well, we're not gonna backload you. We're just gonna front load you. Cause that seems it's gonna be probably more beneficial for your anatomical structure. The structure of how somebody, their limb length is, their torso, all that plays a, such a big difference in what their squats look like, which is why you can take 20 different athletes mm -hmm. and you can get 20 different types of squats. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we see, when we see people or systems or methodologies on social media or the internet that are saying, okay, this is how it's done. And this is your parameters. That's, I think when you start to see that, I think that should be one of the very first warning signs of how valid is the system, uh, system that I'm looking into. And if the system you're looking into automatically draws that line in the sand that these are the things that you have to do, I think that sends up a red flag every once in a while. Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's like, uh, okay, can't, can't do that program. No. Right? I mean, because right away you're, you're trying to take every human being and put them in the same peg. And it's just physically impossible. Not just physically, but mentally it's impossible mm -hmm. too. Because we're overcoming a lot of inhibitions that people have built up over the years through personal experience, but also things that they've read, things that they've been told all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're overcoming those obstacles, not just from the physical standpoint, but a lot of up in the head too. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Hope you got some good information out of what we view as important parts of squatting. And hopefully they help you out in progressing you and your ability to squat, especially with loads. So until next episode, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class.